Welcome to the Influent Podcast, developing leadership, building success, and influencing society. For more resources, visit us online at influent.life. Hi there, here we are again for our Influent Podcast. Uh, we're focusing on on this uh, website uh, really about building leadership, becoming who we're supposed to be, becoming successful, and then influencing society. And kind of in our success track here is I I love business and I want people to build successful businesses. So I've invited uh, this week uh, with me, Ben Frazier. And Ben is a credit analyst with Cross First Bank. You've underwritten, you know, hundreds of millions in in loans for small businesses. And you love uh, internet marketing and business trends. You you look at businesses all day long, every day, and so you love to kind of spot the trends and see what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something that's a big passion of mine is seeing the companies that are on the cutting edge that are coming up with new ways of doing business, new models, um, new exciting creative approaches in taking out industries that are archaic and have a lot of room for disruption. And it's something that's passion for me, something that I want to do eventually as an entrepreneur or a CEO. And so it's something that's exciting. And and you love the whole disruption thing. I mean, this is, you know, you're always looking at, wait, what is changing in the world and, and looking for the opportunities and the companies that are kind of seizing these opportunities. So we're going to look today at four top trends that are going on for, for major businesses and business models that are, that are, uh, that are kind of boiling to the surface. And, uh, couple of these unicorn businesses what's a what's a unicorn yeah unicorn you know, you've probably heard of that um, it's essentially any private company that has uh, venture capital behind them and the value um, is implied over a billion dollars so the billion dollars is kind of the threshold to be a coming unicorn yeah and I just look at the day I think they're right now there are a hundred and forty five unicorn companies right now wait that are pre-public they're pre-public all private oh my god yeah. 145 and, and the, the collective value of those is over 500 billion dollars wow i and wonder how many are in the states do you have any idea predominantly most of them in the states but there, there's wow. a lot overseas and um, and how in. many of them you know you know you haven't done the research so i'm putting you on the spot but yeah. how many would you say have been are only five years old or less I would say a lot of them. Most of them. I've, I've, yeah. I've thumbed through a lot of them, and a lot of them are really this, young. This is what people don't realize, how much stinking mm-hmm. opportunity there is yeah. in this day. And I remember, now, you know you know me pretty well, of course, and I started an internet company in 1995, and I remember thinking I was too late, uh-huh. that I missed yeah. the internet. And, <laughs> you know, because there was already all these big companies that are already going. And here, here we are, $145 yeah. billion dollar companies crazier than the last, let's yeah. say, five to 10, 10 years. How all, much all op- opportunity that there are. And so, honestly, yeah. it is, if, there is, if we don't live in a, in, in a day of opportunity, I don't know what this is. You know, this yeah. is wide open opportunities. And so yeah. one, of the, one of the goals I want to do with this show is just show how much opportunity there is. So let's, let's yeah. dive in. Yeah, and what one kind of quick aside is a, a lot of the companies too that I've, I noticed, and kind of probably my natural bent towards financial companies, financial technology or fintech. A lot of those companies that are on that list are in that fintech um, industry. Fintech meaning meaning financial technology. So basically, 
just the right. broad industry of finance. Really? So, so of the 145, a lot of them are are financial a lot tech. Of them. I, I don't know the exact percentage, but a, a lot of them. And we'll you be talking about one of those. So let's shoot. Let's go down your list. What's what's the first one you want to talk about? Yeah. So the first one I want to talk about is Uber. Um, this is a company that everyone's heard the name of. Um, everyone is somewhat familiar with what they do, um, but I think a lot of people don't really know the backstory or exactly what the business model is and really how much of a big deal this company yeah, is. See, and that's probably me. I mean, because yeah. I read it yeah. and I go, okay, it's a taxi service yeah. kind of a, with drivers that have no safety inspections and yeah. maybe mass murderers, you know. <laughs> and so so I'm thinking, you know, you know, what's yeah. the story what, what, here? What's the big deal? I, you know, I don't necessarily get Uber. So, yeah. so you said it's it's you know gonna it's how big it is. So what what's big about Uber? Yeah, and, and you know, I'm kind of the same boat too. I think we are kind of in the Midwest, not a big metropolis where taxi service is a predominant part of our life. So it's not in our mind. We don't really see the value of it. Um, you'll probably be surprised to know that they are the most valuable private company on that list. Wow. And by by a large margin. How much? They are I think north of fifty billion. The company is worth fifty billion dollars. Yeah. Pre pre IPO, um, and it, it's it's kind of surprising. You think about okay, there's taxi service. What's what's the big deal? Um, it's it's kind of a cool story. It was only started in two thousand nine, so they've been around for a couple of years. Yeah, and it was this guy and his friend who decided to um, start a luxury uh, private transportation service in San Francisco for kind of the affluent professional. Um, and they really saw the opportunity in the taxi industry and just that it was kind of a monop- monopoly in a lot of these big markets and no one liked it. You know, you, you I haven't really experienced it. So it's a bad customer know, experience. Bad customer experience from, I mean, you just imagine what you're, what the whole thing is from beginning to end. You, sure. You go out and it's raining or sleeting, it's snowing, and you have to hail down a cab, it's busy, you, you know, maybe you'll get one, maybe they'll fly by. Um, then after you get in the, the taxi cab, you don't know what your experience is going to be like. Is it a, a nice cab? You know, probably not. Is the driver very friendly? You know, probably not. Right. And then you have to be carrying cash on you. You have to carry right. cash. You have to track a, an old meter. This, you know, and he's like, oh, I didn't turn the meter on. You have to pay a little bit more or whatever. Just the negotiation process. You have to do the tips. And, and so um, there really is this kind of pent up demand that a lot of people saw in um, the need for another service, something that, that kind of reinvented the system. So, so they, did, they didn't even come into, let's kind of start a normal taxi service and just kind of iterate and make little things better. They kind of reinvented it from, from the bottom up, and that's kind of, kind of the really cool thing about it. Um, it's definitely more predominant, I think, in the millennial generation, but it's definitely catching on there. I think they're in, I think we're in 270 cities now. And yeah. I just still don't get it. I don't yeah. get it. So, I don't get so, it. Yeah. So basically, well, what's, what's the appeal of it? Well, one, it's, it's cheaper than okay. taxi service. I get that. It's cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. If, you know, that, that's a big draw. Um, it's instantaneous. So if, if, if you didn't, so say you didn't want to go hail a cab down, that's not your thing, you can call them. Um, but it generally is 20 plus minutes before they can oh, get for where sure. you are. You know, at least. Um, here, the, it's uh, they have a... So with Uber, I'm sitting there at the restaurant, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm ready to leave yeah. in about 10 minutes, and yeah. so I can boom, 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 yeah. get somebody to come meet me there. Yeah, so so the, the real big appeal of Uber and kind of part of their business model is that they they don't own any of these cars. 
So they have very little fixed assets and they have invested a ton into the platform, the technology, the user experience. And so what they've done, they're actually Google Ventures, I think is one of their biggest backers. Um, and so it's all integrated with Google Maps in real time. You look at it, here's all the 10 Uber drivers right around you. We can estimate someone be there in two minutes. So you wow. say, yeah, I want to pick up at this location and I want to go here. And so they dispatch someone, they'll send you a text, hey, we're on our way. Um, so it's just an incredible experience. It's an incredible experience. You, you, you hop in, you go where you're going to. You don't have to exchange any cash, no negotiation. It's a fixed, fixed price. Um, for that route or whatever it is, and, and uh, Uber, the app charges charges your bank account that's linked to your to your app and your phone, and there's literally no cash transaction, so it's seamless, it's quick, it's it's easy, and then the really cool thing is that the drivers um, all have this kind of third party evaluation, so they're all rated and rated on things like friendliness, quality <laughs> of of their car because it's their own car. Um, service, their their speed, accuracy, and so you actually have a feel kind of like a Yelp for your Uber driver. You can go and look in a ratings engine, a ra- a ratings right? engine. so you can you can pick someone that you're comfortable yeah. with. Yeah, yeah, and, and pe- people really trust trust those kind of ratings, and it adds just a lot more comfort level in that. I mean, it's interesting. The millennial generation is really kind of going after ratings, right? They're yes. Like, yes. you know, everybody, before you go buy a product, you'll go check the user ratings. Before you go see a movie, you'll check exactly. the movie ratings. Before, I mean, ratings are everything, right? Yes. And so a driver, they're maintaining their kind of their rating. You know, they got to maintain their rating, rating, and you can pick. And so this, it, it fits the whole millennial purchasing habits, yeah, right? Yeah, it, it does. You know, and I've, I've read... Some things for millennials, you know, they don't like to own anything. They just want to rent everything. You know? And that's just kind of, if you don't, it's, it's just the convenience of it. You don't have to actually own the asset. You just rent it. And in, in this case, it's cheaper than a normal a normal taxi service. Yeah, interesting. Um, and the, the other kind of cool side of it, so not only is it a win and a, a net benefit for the user that's driving in the, in the, the car, it actually has created this whole... Um, side economy for the drivers is actually they can make way more money so this is what what is has been called the gig economy yes that's kind of what we're talking about here so which is a big deal so the idea that you can do a gig and get paid for a gig and you market your availability or uh, your skill or your product your service on the internet, on some internet yeah. platform, you get a gig, you make yeah. money. So, can people really make money at this? Yeah, well, um, you know, Uber claims some of some of the top drivers can make up to you know close to six figures in a year, and obviously, that's the the gross number. <clears throat> these people these, that sleep, <laughs> yeah, the people, they don't sleep. You know, maybe you don't want them as your driver, but um, but yeah, I mean, they, they can make good money, and they have to take care of their car and the maintenance of that kind of um, thing. But it's Overall, they can make a lot more money. Than I mean, you were you're saying you got you had some friends that decided had a free weekend. Let me go earn some yeah. money and be an Uber driver. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you kind of think about you know Airbnb, which is another big company, and it's just the whole idea of people have a spare room in a nice place or wherever, and they want to utilize you know make some money on that asset that they have. Is just kind of sitting vacant. So hey, let's just throw it on there. Kind of same thing that people have a car and maybe it's a nice car and they have a free weekend. 
want to go make a couple hundred bucks. You know, the macroeconomist in me is saying this is a really good thing. It's it basically gets rid of all under 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 utilization of exactly. of spare capacity, exactly. right? Exactly. And including you got free time. Let me go earn some money. You got a car sitting around. Let me go. Let me turn it. Let me make it a productive asset. Yeah. Right. I have a spare room. Let me turn it into a productive thing rather than a yeah. non-productive thing. Yeah, and so so I mean I think the appeal is there obviously just for their current business model, um, but there is so many tertiary industries where they feel like they can bring this. Is this Uber specifically, Uber or specific. or the um, gig economy as a big I, I'm picture? I'm talking about Uber specific, but I think the gig economy as well. Um, but Uber specifically has talked about getting into you know, providing logistics for not just private transportation, but for other goods. Um, they've experimented. You know, with delivering uh, your sandwich to your to your work, you know, and like and trying different things to see what makes you know that good value proposition. Um, but it's it's really um, there's a lot of cool blue sky so, for so this. So this this big picture gig economy, what's changed? What what where do you see this going? Is it really gonna? Is this gonna become a big deal? Yeah, you know, I th- I think kind of another similar trend that is kind of piggybacks on this is. Uh, you know, the next billion or the next few billion is kind of a term that some of us have heard in referencing all of the new people that will be coming on the Internet in the next uh, 5, 10, 15 years. Now, I read a, or saw a projection um, just the other day. This, this seems pretty aggressive to me, but they said they, they expect 3 billion new people on the Internet by 2020. Wow. Which is insane and so and a lot of those are going to be in emerging markets in 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 countries that um that's crazy yeah where where, where someone who can do a little gig you know like either graphic design or uh you know a lot of people are now having these take your cow to the uh to the to the field <laughs> out there out the field. <laughs> i don't know man yeah like the good the services you know i i know a friend that uses uh, an administrative assistant in a different country and um, that person does all of his organizing and planning and scheduling, and he pays them a couple bucks an hour. But in that country, that I, a lot I, of money. I've used a service yeah, yeah. called uh, what's it called? Uh, you know, Odesk, or it's uh, yeah. And yeah. I, I think that's their, I think they changed their name, but you know, to rent transcribers or coders or whatever across yeah. the globe. Um, there's so much opportunity, and you know, this new emerging market this is a big deal. Like yeah, in in, Af- in Africa. People don't have; they have a cell phone, even though they don't have a car. Yes, and they use a cell phone for their for their finances, for their money, their mm-hmm. bank account access, and for everything. It's like you know, they really are getting on the internet. It'll be a mobile, it'll yeah. very different experience. And there's a good example of someone. Maybe they have some skills that they can offer somebody. Yeah, and I mean the opportunity that opens up for these people that would generally not have that much opportunity, you know, and the infrastructure that they're in or whatever, they now have the opportunity via the internet and through all these kind of cool gig economy related services uh, that they can provide and make a living off of. I mean, this is good news for unemployed or underemployed people. It's good news for, you know, awesome. Okay. What's number two? Number two, um, this is kind of more up in my, my power alley uh, in the FinTech uh, side of things. And this is probably another somewhat familiar name. Um, this is the Lending Club, and this is the largest peer-to-peer lender. So this is kind what of is a, peer-to-peer a new, lending? What does that mean? This, yeah, so this is kind of a new emerging trend um, in in fintech, where essentially um, a borrower comes to Lending Club. They want a loan 
for a variety of reasons. Generally, it, it's, it seems that it's for debt consolidation. So maybe they've racked up too much credit card debt or student loans, or they just want to consolidate their debt and put them in place, get a cheaper interest rate. Well, they, they kind of apply on Lending Club, and then Lending Club facilitates um, the investors to finance that loan. And so a Lending Club isn't actually doing the financing, but they're connecting them with an investor who can uh, back them up. And so it's essentially creating this, this connection for people um, who need money that would not maybe get traditional bank financing or or financing uh, from you know payday loans or something that's just kind of crazy interest rate. You know they they don't want to go there. They want to get some that's kind of a decent rate, but um, it's still have flexible terms. Yeah, again, this seems like I mean I'm just seeing a hundred problems oh, yeah. in this, right? Yeah. I mean, how do you know the creditworthiness? How do you avoid scams? How do you yeah. keep abuse from happening? Right? I mean, totally. totally. Is is this legit? Is this a big deal? Yeah, you know, I, I have not personally done it. It's something I've really wanted to do. It's kind of on my on my uh, list. And, to, and as a banker, experience. right, this is something you yeah, better figure out, right? Exactly, exactly. And so I've, I've actually <laughs> done quite a bit of research because to me, it's a very cool model, and I've tried to think about you know, and something the traditional banks are not in, right? This is oh yeah, this is the this is the alternative banking. This is the alternative world, right? Banking. Yeah. And, and, you know, most traditional bankers would probably scoff at the idea or, oh, they're just a bubble that's about to pop or whatever. You know, but but currently I just saw that they um, have made over, I think, $11 billion in loans. Hmm. And so it's, it's, not, it's not a small thing. And they've been around since 2007. So this is Lending Club. Alone. Lending Club specifically. They, this is just Lending Club. Um, so getting close to 10 years now. And one of the really cool things that I love about their business model is – um, diversification. And so they essentially um, can remove all idiosyncratic risk from this uh, from this model. And what that means is... Risk you, of idiots? <laughs> idiosyncratic. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, no, what, what do you mean by that? Idiosyncratic meaning the risk of one particular note going into default. So say someone wants $20,000 oh, okay. to consolidate debt and you give them a $20,000 note, if that person defaults, you're out of all your money. Got it. But the cool thing about um, Lending Club and a lot of these other peer-to-peer lenders is you only have to put a minimum of $25 per note. Hmm. Because they have such a massive network of investors, they can finance a $20,000. See, you can make $1,025 notes. Yeah. And and now you have $25,000 invested. You have 1,000 notes. You spread out your risk. If any one loan goes bad, $25 isn't probably going to break the return profile mm-hmm. for what you're getting. Um, and so, so their, their annualized uh, net return average is over 7%. Um, which is pretty good, and, and the, the risk and the, the default is is really low. You know, it you is, know. yeah. And so, so that means they they figured it out. They figured out how to figure out manage the risks. And essentially, what what they've done, and kind of the other cool part of this, is they've built their own algorithm. That um, from the borrower standpoint, all I have to do is a really simple application. Here's some kind of the main point, you know, parts of my financial history. Um, you can run the credit score. You know, you do the simple application. Um, through Lending Club's algorithm, they can essentially create a credit rating for you. They have, I think, seven or eight tranches that they will lump you into based on your credit worthiness. And then within minutes, approve you or you know, not approve you and give you a interest rate. So they can, within minutes of applying, you know exactly what your interest insane. rate will be. And obviously, for the more credit worthy people, you have a How big a loans can you rate. get? You know, I don't know exactly. Um, it's, it's mostly cons- all consumer debt. Hmm. Um, for Lending Club particularly. And, 
you know, I would say the average loan is probably a few thousand, but they definitely get up in there into the 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, probably higher than that. Interesting. Um, 11 billion is a big, big number. It's, it's, and a, so, it's a big number, especially when it's all consumer. As far, but as far as percentage of loans made, it's probably a teeny tiny. Right? Yeah. But a growing, a growing percentage. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, it's something that's interesting. It's something I want to, I want to keep watching. You know, I, I think you, uh, having that piece of the diversification is kind of a cool, unique aspect that you can, uh, not have the default risk being a huge, uh, worry of your portfolio. Cause if you can mm-hmm. spread it out over a thousand notes, you know, obviously if there's a big economic downturn, um, where these more at risk borrowers would, um, you know, not be able to make it as well, then, you know, maybe on a global scale, um, it might not perform as well. But generally, they've performed really well. Um, they figured out the secret sauce and are able to price the interest rate based on the perceived risk. So a pretty cool, pretty cool model. So from a, from a business owner, how, how should I, you know, what does this mean for me? What, you know, how should I pay attention to this? Or, or is this, is this affect me at all? Yeah, this is as a business owner. This one, this particular company probably wouldn't affect you, um, but you know, I'd like to talk in, in later podcasts and series about um, other financial technology um, mm. companies that are actually focused on small business and some other really cool yeah. um, le- lenders yeah. that are non-traditional that yeah. are focused. But on the, but but the bigger the bigger trend here, the underlying trend is really this whole peer to peer. Ing, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, the peer-to-peer world called crowdfunding or whatever that is legit. Way, yeah. And and I know I happen to know that that it's getting easier for companies to raise money. It is. And absolutely. using crowdfunding platforms and crowdfunding models. Of course, it started with small numbers and Kickstarter right. type things, but it's actually becoming mainstream. So yeah. basically, I do think there's a big trend of availability of capital absolutely. through peer-to-peer models. Absolutely. And so we're going to see the world of capital. Like being democratized, Absolutely. right? Where in the past, if you didn't know the big guy at the bank or they didn't get your business model, you were out of luck. Or if you didn't have the big hedge fund with access to New York, whatever, you're out of luck. You're and it's luck. really changing. Yeah. Um, with the new peer-to-peer models. Yeah, absolutely. And I think especially for kind of more mom-and-pop businesses or smaller businesses that have kind of been a more underserved part of the country, though they are, you know, they're really the backbone of our country sure. as far as jobs, you know, job creation. This is going to open up a whole new realm of yeah. capital for them, which is what all business owners need is more capital awesome. to grow. You know, Number three. So that was, that was pretty cool. Um, you know, while, while we're in the, the realm of fintech, um, I think one you want to talk about was TransferWise, which is one that this I'd only crazy. recently heard of. Um, but they're actually on this unicorn list. They're actually up up near the top. Um, they doesn't surprise it me. It does not surprise me either after looking into the, the model. A little and bit. they're only they're only a couple years old, I a think. Couple years old, yeah. And they're worth some multiple tens of billions yeah. of dollars. Yeah. Couple years old. Yeah. And started by some little wingnut in yeah, had a, had you know, a crazy idea. Lithuania or something. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, for for me I think it's it's so cool and looking at some of these businesses, the what it all it comes down to to me is it's so simple. They, they've just simplified a problem, and they've made it, they've made exactly it really right. easy to solve and really user-friendly. It, it's the old, old, old deal of entrepreneurs take a problem and solve it. But what happens in technology, it allows you to scale it. Uh-huh. So if you can solve that simple – make one problem and solve it simply, you can solve it for – a billion people, yes. and all of a sudden, if you get one dollar from a billion people, well, that's a billion dollars, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. it allows you to scale these gigantic businesses. So, yeah, it's so true. Tell me about TransferWise. 
Um, you tell me about TransferWise. That's that's the one you're talking about, and you know it probably better than I do. Okay. Well, <laughs> you know, it's interesting because it was this whole idea, right? You 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 exchange money from country to country, and anyone who's done that, I I travel overseas quite a bit, and and you end up the banks make a small fortune. It takes yeah. a long time. It, they end up making money, an incredible amount of money in fees. Yep. You never know exactly what you're getting. You have to exchange cash. If you go to those little cash thingies oh, yeah. at, at the at yeah. the you know at the airport they take about 20 percent i mean it's insane for a for a simple cash yeah. exchange transaction well so so here's a guy who's working for the uk a uk company but he's living in you know uh baltic somewhere i, I believe it was and yeah. uh and so he but he was having to transfer his money he was getting paid and you british pounds he had to transfer it into so-and-so to pay his mortgage and he was losing just enormous amount of money and said, Hey, how about if, how about if you pay my mortgage and I will take less money or something like, like this. Uh-huh. So they made it, they made a, an agreement to trade where, you know, their, their currency. So what, what they've built is a currency trading platform where you can, I can send money to anyone and they match it with somebody sending money in the reverse direction. Yep. Yep. And it's a matching platform and they uh-huh. charge almost nothing. Yeah. For doing this, yeah, relative to the other. and they guarantee the price again. They've they've solved the problem. They made it super simple. They've made it super easy, super elegant, yeah, and very solving a problem. And the big banks are getting cut out. And uh-huh. I mean, this is big business. It, and it's I mean, you, you you breezed over there, but TransferWise is taking the risk of currency fluctuations. So generally, the individual would have to take that risk of if what if the British pound drops, you know, intraday right. or whatever, and they don't have to they, they, don't. they get a guaranteed price and they don't have to worry about that. And, and it's this, simple. This is big business. I think the foreign exchange market is something like $8.7 trillion traded yeah. a day. Yeah. And these guys are jumping right in there with people that have and this is a big deal, especially in other parts of the world. In America, we don't think about currencies that much. Right. But in most of the rest of the world, they do. Uh-huh. And and so this little company, they just solved this little problem, and holy smokes, just a little trading platform, a matching tra- platform where they're matching currency exchange needs. Yeah. And uh, so it's so so if I if I'm going to transfer monies from from the United States to the to, to Britain, I go and create an account. I go move the money in uh, into into TransferWise. They find someone who wants to move money from British pounds. Into the into the the U.S. dollars, right. and they match us, and the money never actually changes borders. They You're just right. go from from me to the one they want to pay, and from them to the one I want to pay. Uh huh. And so the money actually never exchanges. It's so stinking cool. Yeah, you know, cool. and it's one of those businesses I look at and think, why didn't I do that? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's you so know, simple. You know, dang. You know, yeah. I just I missed that. You know, forty billion dollar opportunity. You know, slipped right through my fingers. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> It it is amazing how much opportunity there is. All right, your last one, right? Yeah, last one. This one's probably more a broader broader trend versus a specific company, though we can mention a few of the companies. And and this is something um, that is called massively open online courses, you know, or MOOCs or M O O Cs. You just made that up. MOOCs, hey, (laughs) that's that's how you sounded it, right? (laughs) And uh, what what this is is um, different universities creating you know video footage of some of their best courses at their university and publishing them online and allowing anybody you don't have to fill out an application you accept the university anybody to sign in and to take this course and generally these are free most of these are, are free 
and um, it, this trend has just been exponential. Where, Wait a minute. Where now, yeah. So you can get you can take university classes from Harvard or Yale. Yeah. So, so online for free. For free, and I've like I've, it's the I've real class. I've actually done this. It's the, it's real, the real class. And the cool thing is, I mean, since they've started now, a lot of these Ivy League schools have started doing this to um, to open up the enrollment. And you know, there's. You know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that will sign up for these classes and take them for free. And you know, the, the one thing you don't you don't get credit for it because you're not paying for it, um, and they're not going to gr- necessarily grade all of your um, all of your assignments. But the idea that that this uh, knowledge is being transferred to from these elite universities that usually only you know the creme de la creme could go and, and hear or learn from wow. is now being disseminated to anybody. So who wants how to. how big is MOOC really? How, is it seems like it's a niche or is this a big deal? This is you know I just I just googled it a little bit to to find some of the stats on it, um, and I think that the numbers I have are, are a couple of years old, so it's, I think it's probably bigger than this. But um, they estimated ten million people have taken at least one course online. Ten, 10 million. million. Yeah. How many courses are available? I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know that specific number. I would guess probably hundreds of thousands. Un- <laughs> not, I would not be surprised. Wait a minute. I mean, on any topic imaginable. I mean, anywhere. For, the one I took was was really interesting, and it's uh, basically the history of the world. So the guy just goes through all the major trends throughout the history. Is this guy? I think it was a Stanford or some Ivy League school, and he was one of the the highest rated professors. That's a, a cool thing too. Is that it's it's a uh, because it's driven by how awesome it is, you know, no one's going to take a class that's, that's boring. You get the best professors that are doing wow. these and the people that are the best communicators that, that have the best knowledge on these topics. And so you're getting the best of the best universities. Wow. Ben, this is huge. It's huge. It's absolutely This is huge. huge for the globe. Yeah. This is huge. This means the the African cow farmer, uh-huh. you know, can can learn from a Stanford professor. Yes. Yeah, it, on his phone as yeah. he's watching the cow. As he's watching the cow, brought on the cow. I mean, it, it, this dove, is it crazy. Yeah, it dovetails right back into that, that that next billion. You know, these people in these third world countries that, that don't have much opportunity, they can now learn from a Harvard uh, MBA professor on the basic of macroeconomics. Or someone wants to learn computer programming, they have artificial intelligence in computer programming, all these different languages. I mean, you think you there's you could actually take. Computer science. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big focus of a lot of these is computer science from MIT, no from way. Berkeley, from these, from these big um, colleges that are focused on you know, computer science. You know, the, it is just insane the level of opportunity today for anyone to say they don't know, they don't have enough opportunity is, is crazy. And yeah. what's, what's cool, I mean, you know, America, I love our nation and, and, you know, we've been called the land of opportunity, but this is bigger than America. This is, this oh, is yeah. a world of opportunity, right? Because, you know, anyone can go take this, you know, uh, MIT computer science course, yeah, right? Anybody. Or this Stanford MBA deal, right? Uh-huh. And go learn and go educate yourself. Yeah. I mean, so what's our limitations anymore? Yeah, seriously, seriously, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, what what can't we do? What can't we learn? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm convinced. You know, and bringing it back to the U.S., um, they're saying that uh, the average, well, not the average, but the the total amount spent on universities just in the U.S. is over four hundred billion dollars per year, and it's a huge industry. It's been monopolized by you know universities. But the, the the cost of going to a traditional university has skyrocketed, 
You know, oh yeah, as, and, and as as people are you know, as they have more tenured professors who they can't fire and they're guaranteed a salary for however many years, as um, you know all the other factors that are increasing the costs of these traditional universities, for for most students they're having to now take on more debt, and, and you know consequently all student debt is is rising in record numbers, and to me it's this is this is going to totally transform. What I, what I think in, in my, my kids, um, when they grow up and go to college, I think education is going to look totally different than the, than the traditional university we've seen. You know? and, and, and obviously from my experience with the traditional university, it was really good, learned, learned a lot, but so much of it was so inefficient. And so much of, of it was knowledge to spit out, back out on a test and not technical or, or trade knowledge um, per se. You know? and, and I feel like the, this, these MOOCs are going to you know, transition and change what the what the university and education system look like in ten years. I mean, it already is, and really, it means we can we can learn anything we want to learn. Yeah, and the absolutely. only the only limitation is us. Yeah, and uh, this is crazy. You know, but what's in it for the universities? It doesn't. I don't get it from their perspective. Why would they? Why would they do this? <laughs> you know, I don't know. It, it, I think it's a, a great a great question, and. You know, honestly, the uh, so some of the biggest, some of the biggest um, MOOCs. The biggest one is Coursera. I think they have like eight eight million users. Um, another one is edX. Um, both of these were started by Ivy League professors. Hmm. They were they were guys who so are. So they believe in education, they, the they idea, just, and I so I think they just believe in education, and they they don't want what they're teaching to be limited to a select few, and they want to share. And, and it's it's really I mean it's a it's a cool way for the professors to you know gain notoriety because they're um, having exposure to tens or hundreds. I think of it helps. I think it benefits professors. I think it benefits watchers. I don't think it benefits universities. I, I agree. I don't think it does either. So when you say things are going to change, educational change, that's interesting because will will a degree become obsolete? That's a little hard to yeah, to, no, to I, see. I, and I'm and if you look at enrollment at universities, it's all time high right now. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I, I I don't I don't necessarily think that universities are going away. That's not what I'm saying, and, and it's it's hard to obviously know know that. What I'm saying is, from from the trends we're seeing here, it's it's apparent that we can see that the way that we intake um, knowledge will be changing, and it's, and especially for obviously outside the U.S. but within the U.S. too. I th- I think you know a lot of universities are going to more online or or having. Um, degrees be completed partially online, which decreases the cost, you know? And so I, th- I think the, it's the, the cost to go to a traditional university, a four-year university is it's increasing. It's going to continue to increase until something changes. And I, and I don't know what, what that shift will be. I think we'll, time will tell, but I, I think it's, it is going to change. But meanwhile, you know, if you want to get educated, you know, huge opportunity. So really, you as an individual can learn anything yeah. you want to learn. Yeah, I, th- I think I think it's big for not not only. I, I mean, I, th- I think to, to your point, you make make a good point. Obviously, going to university is not obsolete, and it probably won't be you know for a long time if ever. Um, and having a degree is makes you much more marketable and valuable. But I think the um, for the continuous learner, you know, for someone who's been out of college. Um, in the U.S. or or abroad, who wants to continue to learn, or say I all of a sudden have an interest now in computer programming, I want to go learn how to do C plus plus or whatever the, the main you know programming language is now. I can, I can go figure that out for free, you know, and learn it. And so obviously these aren't necessarily accredited yet. I think 
um, they they might get to that point. But does anybody um, care eventually? Honestly, does anyone really care? Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's interesting because one of the big trends that we're seeing that the internet is enabling is the democratization of everything. Yes. Right. Yes. Where we're seeing the democratization of finance, the democratization of everything. It's like, and there's so all these monopolies, historical monopolies, are being threatened. Yeah. You know, yep. and like taxi drivers, and <laughs> yeah. and and well, you know, one of the biggest is education. Yeah, absolutely. And it's very inefficient. It's very partisan and yep. very kind of. There's a lot of negatives, right? Yeah. And and uh, um, is it going to change? You know, it's interesting because we're yeah. not we're not seeing that trend yet, but maybe the beginning it. of it, right? I think we're the beginning of it. I mean, you, you think about the millennial generation and then the generation, you know, younger than me. Um, the, these kids are growing up with four screens in their face, all going at the same time. You know, they're they're used to <laughs> assimilating a lot of information from from their mobile devices, from the TV. You know, and and I think the uh, consumption of education is going to have to look a little bit different than sitting in the classroom. You know, for a lot of these kids, they don't have an attention span of more than five minutes. You know, so how, how are you going to engage? people in an interactive way that instead of us sitting in the classroom for an hour, you know, a couple of days yeah. a week. And so, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it's going to change. I think, I think we're at the very beginning of it to, to see what it's going to look like. And I think um, the generation younger than me is they're growing up just accustomed to you know, going on YouTube and learning what they want to do, you know, how, how to tie your shoe on YouTube, you know, and they're, they're getting information from the internet already. I think this is going to be a natural step and, um, it's interesting to, to, to learning. I wonder because so many people I know, they don't learn by sitting in a classroom setting, yeah. and they don't learn without structure. So right. if you take away the structure of a classroom and the structure of a homework and a task and all that, will it actually work? Will it work? Yeah. That's a, that's any, a great any data on that? I don't. I don't have any data. You know, I I think that that is definitely one of the downsides to it, and one of the drawbacks is the. The, the, dis- the discipline part of it, you know, is, is the, com- the completion percentage. But, but opportunity. But Maybe opportunity. for someone who yeah, actually yeah, goes absolutely. and creates a, what if you take a MOOC and you you use that as your free courses, but then you add on a structure and an, and yeah. an interactive component where you actually have a classroom and yeah. you sign in and you, yeah. you watch the class and you interact. I mean, I don't know, just yeah. where, you know, opportunity to go and create more of a, of a structured kind of approach, right? Yeah. Totally. Versus unstructured. Yeah. So huge opportunity. The world is a changing. It's a changing. The world it's is a changing. changing. It's exciting. It's really exciting. I think this is a very fun time to be alive in and to to see the opportunity. You know, and I, just to even go back to that that unicorn list that there are that many private That's private crazy. companies that are that have that much value and. Um, which makes me it begs the question why haven't you started well, I know I, that's, I'm and why haven't I started one and why why haven't all my podcast listeners yeah. started one what the yeah. heck are you waiting on yeah you know I know and uh, gosh it's really it's really attainable you yeah. know and there's it doesn't matter it's like you know, so many people and this is one of the focus of my 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 book my new book that's out kingdom horizon is just you know mm-hmm. where it seems like so many people are just pessimistic and doomsday and what right. happens it makes you miss the opportunities and yeah. and if you can go live in a cave for the next 5 years 
But in the five, in that next five years, there's probably going to be another 145 unicorn businesses starting. Yeah. And and these these started in the midst of the terrorist threats and the economic uh-huh. downturn and everything else that is going on that you can name as bad. And there's lots of bad, yeah. I mean, no yeah. question. But there's no shortage of opportunity, and there's just no excuse for for not getting out of neutral and putting your putting your your your, your engine in gear, yeah. right? Yeah. And moving forward. And it doesn't yeah. matter the challenges we, we have. It's There's always going to be opportunities in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, That's again, good. Ben Frazier, a banker and with uh, Cross First Bank and... and uh, and a brilliant, brilliant man and studying studier of uh, business trends uh, globally. And so thank you so much for being here with oh, us. And that. we'll have you back and get part two here, uh, you know, uh, next year. Soon. Yeah, Soon. let's do it. All right. <laughs> okay, Take fine. care. God bless. Bye.